We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome along to the True Faith podcast. Uh, Newcastle United have drawn 1-1 with Brighton Hove Albion uh, on the south coast. You've got Alex Hurst, myself. I'm currently sat at a service station just on the, the M1 <laughs> uh, on the drive back. Charlotte Robson and Norman Riley were in the away end with me yesterday and we have Adam Windrington uh, able to give us the analysis from watching it on TV in the comfort of his own home. I presume it was in your own home, Adam. I don't know. I am It was. It was in my best. really comfortable lazy boy chair with, with full <laughs> reclining... Uh, capabilities, it was glorious. That's nice. What a picture. Yeah, so <laughs> we are, of course, we are supported by Fansbet, the unique gaming company who provide 50% of their net profits back to good fan causes. No one else does that, so if you like to gamble on sport, give them a try. If not, stay well clear. And we're, of course, uh, ably supported by our patrons who pay us about £7 a month for about 20 extra Newcastle United shows. Uh, we love them all. So we're going to get into it today. Uh, a one-all draw against a very, very poor Brighton side, I think we can all agree. Uh, who had a lot more to play for than us, and ultimately I think Brighton got the point that they wanted. I'll start off this one, um, and you know, speaking to to use three, interested to get your your different takes on the game and the result in the context of it. Um, from a personal point of view, uh, I was really disappointed with our second half performance. I thought we should have been more than one goal ahead with with face faced with such poor opposition in the first half. Having said that, you know what? It's end of season. It had a lovely day yesterday because there was no pressure, there was no worry, there was no looking at scores, there was no you know, permutations apart from looking at 11th place, which is the highest we can finish pretty much. Um, so in all in all, it's not a disaster of a result. Um, uh, you know, yeah, disappointing second half. Are we good enough to cope without the likes of, you know, Longstaff, Lejeune, Almiron and Perez? Probably not. And I think that has a lot to do with it. I know no one wants to talk about Mike Dean and, and, and you know, that kind of stuff. But, you know, Adam, Adam you, were, you were watching from home, so I haven't spoken to you about the game. You know, the, a one-all draw in Brighton, happy with that? The thing is, before the game, and given the you know the, the the magnitude of that game from a Brighton perspective, I was almost half prepared for us to, to maybe lose by a single goal. Um, so with that in mind, you think well, you know, every most people probably would have taken a draw and accepted the circumstances that Brighton were fighting for their lives. We had le- much less to play for, but I must say, I, I sort of echo y- you in terms of that disappointment and just how. Just what a wasted opportunity it was, and I think it highlighted a lot of it was basically a lack of a, of attacking depth that we have in our squad. Um, but you know, like you say, it's it's not it's not critical. It's not the end of the world, but ah, it's a bit annoying, isn't it? Yeah, 
Totally agreed. It was kind of at full time yesterday. You know, there was it was kind of a big a collective shrug of the shoulders. It was like, well, you know, everyone in that away and has been to watch Newcastle away from home enough times to know that we'll normally get beat. But it was just disappointing as well that Brighton hadn't scored since like the war or whatever you know <laughs> ridiculously like long 12, thing 12 happened in the past yeah and, and, and it was always going to happen and, and Dubravka's not had to make a save and you know that kind of, it was it it's what it's one of those games that just won't live long in the memory um you know the sun did eventually come out it was a really grim day in Brighton I took my shorts down I didn't get out the suitcase unfortunately because <laughs> it was windy and it was cold but by the end of the day in the, in the game it was uh it was quite sunny and quite nice and it just would have been great to win the game and I think We've only won three away games this season. Three? Yeah, three away games this season, which is really poor. Um, we all know why we've only won three away games this season. We've only scored a goal a game, which is really poor. Again, I don't blame the players and the manager for that. But it would have just been a nice chance to, to, to have a nice day, win two or three nil, um, and look forward to a massive game against Liverpool next week in the context of the title race, probably. Um, well, definitely. And uh, it, it didn't turn out that way. Uh, Norman, you know, you had a nice day, you know, thoughts at full time in, in the context of that result um, uh, I mean I listened to first uh, first listen with Ben and Mickey and they um, kind of echo what, what you what you've just said there in terms of how disappointed they were but uh, I wasn't disappointed in the slightest I mean I think from the off a bit like Adam prior to the match I'd, I'd said on numerous occasions that if Cardiff lose to Fulham I feel like Brighton will sneak it 1-0 and I was completely and utterly expecting us to lose that game um, at kick off and you know bothered that we'd have lost the game um, but at the same time not that bothered because it was it just felt it felt even as a fan completely end of season it was like we've got nothing to play for we haven't we haven't got a top 10 finish to play for yes you could say well you know we could have finished as high up the table as, as possible but you know 11th 12th 13th I mean it's not exactly a massive challenge to to kind of lift the players or lift the fans is it it's not a hugely exciting thing to play for and I think um the, the performance itself, I thought in the first half, you know, we controlled things, we could have had a couple of penalties, we could have been two or three nil up, um, but, you know, Brighton came out in the second half, they brought on Solly March, it changed things, but the whole game was just a bit like, eh. um, and for me, yesterday was more about being a Newcastle United supporter and getting to spend time in a different city, a really lovely city, with other Newcastle United fans, with the Brighton fans, and just just the opportunity to have a brilliant day, and, and for me, most of the time, when you're at a club that's not, you know, pushing for honours, and, you know, a club that does tend to lose most of its away games, the the other bits of the day become really important and they, every single box was ticked yesterday. It was just a, a fantastic day and I, the football wasn't great, but we didn't lose. We're safe again. We've still got Rafa Benitez as manager. We, you know, we, we had a couple of important players out. We had a really good player go off. Um, all in all, I, I really enjoyed it and I'm not disappointed. Um, no, very still still buzzing after having such a, an excellent day. Charlotte, how... How, what were you more disappointed by, um, conceding a second half goal or having to walk along a motorway <laughs> after the game? Um, the motorway. I hated that. We, for context, uh, <laughs> listeners, we um, decided to forego the train because the queues were too big and try and walk along and then get a taxi from a bit further away. But that involved literally walking along. Well, it was an A road, it wasn't a motorway, so fact check. Um, and then... <laughs> Yeah, and then I and then I sat on the grass and refused to move until a car came. I wasn't very happy. Um, conceding the goal was disappointing, but I wrote in the match report like kind of expected at that point in the game because um, the first half, if they'd come out in the second half, um, playing the way they had in the first and 
and then we'd conceded a goal, I'd be furious and really disappointed. But um, as uh, Norman says, March changed their their play a bit more, and they were much more attacking and 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 pushing us much deeper. So I kind of expected it a little bit. You know, it's always disappointing to concede a goal, especially like when you know you think a team like Brighton we really should be beating, but. I, you know, it's 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 the same sentiment that I think we've all got, which is just like, well, we're safe, so it's a shame, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah, definitely can't 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 disagree with any of that, Charlotte. Um, and I suppose we, there were there were positives to take. Um, you know, I think Iose Perez again five goals in three games, and what a goal, by the way, and what an assist by <clears throat> Chest, the the muscle of Salomon <laughs> Rondon. Um, Tank. That was an oh, that was an absolutely brilliant goal, and and like you say, it, it was a real shame to lose Perez so early in the game. Um, has any have any of you heard anything on Perez? Is he going to be okay well, for next week? Is it too early to tell? I watched um I watched Rafa's uh, press thing after, and he just said it looked looked it didn't look serious at all, but they'll see in the week. Yeah, and I, I mean, I suppose moving on to that, then you know, Norman, you I know you want to talk about um, a couple of players, and so does so does Adam. Um, the, the substitution, the one thing we're kind of scratching our heads at is the Kennedy for Perez substitution. What what did he, what did you make of that, Norman? I was surprised. Um, I thought it would have just been Muto straight on for him. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of I was trying to work out the logic, but I suppose uh, when when it actually happened, I thought to myself, well, you know what? He's probably trying to give Kennedy the, the chance to regain a little bit of confidence. He's putting him. Um, Almost to a certain extent in a, in a relatively free role, um, like a role without any real pressure on him, in a role that might allow him to to utilise his undoubted skill um, in a game that that just wasn't important for us. So I could kind of see the possible psychology behind it, but um, but he was frankly um, embarrassing to a certain extent. Oh, wow. I, I think his his uh, um, his lack of application. I mean, I'm I'm not saying I was embarrassed for him, but what I suppose what I mean is is the performance. I, I think there's clearly something going on in Kennedy's. Um, mind that he's just it almost to me looks like he's got like a mild form of depression I might be completely off off the charts with that but it does look like he's really suffering from a visible lack of self-belief um and, it, and it's it becomes apparent when he's on the pitch and it's it's really sad to see because he's got he's got so much talent um Adam you want to jump in there I don't know what you what you what your take I, is I, I just want to I just want to back you up Norman I, 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 I totally agree and I think there's a lot of vitriol spat at, at, at Kennedy, and, and and again it happened like this weekend. But you just kind of you got to kind of think like there, there there is definitely something going on in the back. He's, the kid's got talent; we've seen it before. But I just think there is something bigger going on. If you think he's been unsettled for years now in a country that isn't he isn't native to, he's still young. I think he's only just turned twenty three or so, and it's just like I just I, I just feel that there's kind of like a there's, there's that we need to consider the human side of him and why and yes. I'm fully agreed that we probably shouldn't be buying him. Definitely not for thirty million quid. But I think let's just kind of go a bit easy on the kid because he's got problems. We don't know what those are. And we, it's often fair for us to speculate and just say, "Oh, he's shit. He's not trying." Because I, I, I think that probably doesn't tell the whole story. Sorry, continue. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I agree completely. Um, and I'm sure you know the summer will, will see, um, Kennedy be shipped on from Chelsea but I don't think it'll be to another Premier League club and and perhaps that's what's needed he just needs to maybe go and live in a 
in a country that has a culture more similar to, to Brazil, you know, for example, you go to Portugal, you go to Spain, and he may may well prove to be a roaring success, but I just don't think it's going to happen for him in this country. And it's and it's sad, you know, considering how good he was last season. Um, the other player is is Christian Atsu. Um, some of the um comments directed to Atsu yesterday, I thought were just uh, frankly outrageous. I mean, look, we all know that that Atsu is a player. We know his limitations. I'm sure he's aware of them himself. Um, you know, but. One thing Atsu does is every single time he's on the pitch, he gives everything. Now, you know, he's he's a bit part player at best, and he's thrown into the side, um, and he's not a regular. And the criticism that was thrown at him from the stands yesterday, I just think, honestly, just think, what's the point? Like, we as fans know, you know, that Atsu isn't um, the, the, the kind of player that will probably take the club forward, and I don't mean that disparagingly, that's, that's just probably the, you know, the reality of it, and... And but what we do know is that he gives everything, and I just I hate I absolutely hate people slating him. Um, it's it's just so unnecessary and so unhelpful. And you know, was he bad yesterday? I mean, I don't think he was any worse or better than anyone else on the pitch. And I just thought some of the some of the comments that I heard were thrown from people in the stands were just, as I say, unnecessary. And I think people people shouting abuse at a player in that way just have a word with yourself. It's like that thing, isn't it? It's like that Perez thing, like. It's only now that some people are starting to be like, yeah, actually, maybe he's all right. <laughs> like, the slightest little wrong touch or, or, you know, ball sent wide, it's like people will jump on him. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, there's no need for criticism. You know, I, I too struggled to influence the game yesterday, but he is a far inferior player to Miguel Almiron. That's where we are yeah. at Newcastle United. Thank God thank God we got Almiron in or Atsu would still be starting every single game. Just just you know, Adam and uh, Adam and Norman on Kennedy, yeah, that's all fine and I can accept that and I think I think you're correct. My comeback would be well don't bring him on. Do you know what I mean? If he if he don't if he if he has all of these issues in the background and these huge self confidence issues, he's not gonna get them back when he's realistically got two and a half games left as a Newcastle player. I thought that was a really weird move by Rafa um, you know, I don't know what Muto has to do, and Muto might be rubbish, but he played all right at Man U when he started there, got a goal. Um, hasn't disgraced himself. You know, I just thought that was a a really obvious kind of like for like change Perez for Muto. It would have given us and presumably the manager the chance to see Muto get the majority of a game when we're winning, when the other team are going to have to push, and give us a give us a bit of a threat on the counter attack. And Rafa was right what he said in the second half that we're bollocked up. Well, he didn't use that word obviously, but we're bollocked up some counter attacks. <laughs> Um, and you know I think Rondon got got a shot away eventually once, but it was blocked well by one of Brighton's lads at the back. I thought Muto would have given us a different option on the counter attack with some genuine pace, and, and he might have pushed Brighton back a little bit in the second half when they were really pinning us back before they got their goal and just after their goal. But you know, one substitution doesn't make a season. Um, you know, well, Alex, can I just jump in there on, on Muto? I, I, personally, my theory is that it comes down, to, and it's a, it's a theme that we see with Rafa Benitez very commonly is is this this notion of trust and as much as um maybe we all think that Muto is going to do more better than than Kennedy will in that instance then there's clearly something going on in the training ground that Muto isn't giving him maybe the tactical discipline or I mean yes you could make the point is Kennedy but I mean even yesterday like Kennedy had the, the second most ball recoveries in the whole game do you know what I mean Kennedy was doing stuff he was blocking as well so it, to, to, to say that Kennedy didn't out and was completely useless, isn't completely fair, but I, I appreciate and I agree that going forward, just not good enough, just not effective enough. Um, I'm, but, but, but with Muto, there's, there's definitely something going on that Rafa, 
hasn't been impressed that Muto maybe isn't giving him what he wants tactically. You know, this is why this is why the likes of Perez has sta- stayed in beyond his talent is even when he's playing poorly is because Perez does exactly what he says. This is probably why Atsu gets ahead of both of Kennedy and Muto because Atsu will do exactly what Rafa Benitez says. So the fact that he's known Kennedy for now, you know, two seasons over Muto, who has you know probably only been available for kind of half a season really was sort of being away and was there an injury as well so you know that to me it's not that surprising um given how sort of Rafa has sort of selected players previously fair enough and and I mean Adam let's talk about the two players you were keen to highlight uh first of all Fabian Scher yeah um I thought I thought Fabian Scher was absolutely excellent yesterday um he I mean, just just an absolute solid. I mean, it, 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 it's really funny. I mean, funniest moment from yesterday was when he tried to uh, obviously Shelby's on the pitch and he's trying he's tried to um, he's tried to go on as one of his marauding runs forward, which obviously has sort of been fairly fruitful the last kind of uh, the last sort of few games. You know, he's he's come up, he popped up with a couple of goals this season, obviously, and he got himself in the box a couple of times uh, yesterday as well. But there was one point where he completely bypassed Shelby. He was expecting Cher just to, you know, knock the ball to him to then take over. And Cher uh, <laughs> loses possession. Shelby's had to run back and fill in, which he's, he's definitely not happy about. And then Shelby sort of remonstrates, come on, I'm, I'm, I'm right here. Just give it to me. Um, but, but beyond that, um, I thought Cher was absolutely really solid, really impressive um, in terms of his kind of defensive, um, you know, defensive duties. He had, you know, joint most interceptions, joint most blocks. He was the, the clear leader in terms of clearances. He was uh, joint fourth best sort of head of clearances. He was everywhere. And I just noticed there was kind of, um, he kept getting ahead of his man. He kept reading the game really well. And, you know, the, the, he just continues. Yes, he's got, you know, he's, he's got the odd liability in him. But for again, we, we bang this drum a lot. But for three million quid, the quality that you get from him, the he's exci- he's an exciting defender to watch, which is not something that you know it's not a phrase that is used used often when it comes to centre backs. Maybe wing backs can be and, and, and full backs can be exciting, but there's something about him when he gets on the you know his technique, his ability on the ball. He makes things happen, and he and he's always looking forward. He's always he's always looking to kind of be adventurous, I guess, and that's. It's really exciting, and it's and it's yes, like I said in that instance, he got caught out of position because he tried to do too much, and he should have laid it off to Shelby to take over so he could get back into position, and it could have cost us. But I, I just I, I just really like how he's flourished, and he's been thrown gauntlets this season, and he's had to keep away. You know, he's had he's had a battle for his place against you know it basically centre back is probably our, our our strongest position, and yes, there has been injuries, but I think. He's, you know, he's he's overcome those battles and he's come on top and he's been selected outright even when we didn't have uh, any defensive injuries whatsoever. And he and he's so important to the way that Rafa, Rafa's formula, you know, this this tactical formula has worked. Being one of those ball playing defenders, meaning that we didn't miss Shelby as much in terms of what he brings with his passing range. I just think he's been absolutely fantastic, and I just wanted to, you know, to celebrate him. And yes, for their goal. Yeah, maybe he could have got in on, on Murray, but then you could argue that I think all central defenders were sort of like a, a, a slightly asleep for their goal. But beyond that, I, I, I just think I just think he's a really impressive player and he's just he's just great to watch and he plays with a smile on his face. And yes, he is the Swiss dreamboat. <laughs> mm. He is lovely. 
Yeah, and uh, I think he's going to need counselling because he got not only did he get it a bollocking from Shelby, um, Matt Ritchie, Dubravka, and Hayden all like sprinted in his direction just to tell him off <laughs> for yeah. doing that. Um, <laughs> and if you and listen no to TFAQ, you'd know that Matt Ritchie is a terrifying man. <laughs> That's... TFAQ, true I mean, face. Just, just, <laughs> just anyway. I just, just, to, just to finish on that, just to, the, the highest or the joint highest pass combination between two players yesterday was. 17, share to Shelby, <laughs> which I think is sort of him learning his yeah. lesson a bit. Yeah, TFAQ, of course, True Faith, Any Questions, which is a patron show. Um, yeah, sorry. I mean, go subscribe. on then. It's all right. <laughs> subscribe. Uh, yeah, Adam, you wanted to talk about Shelby as well then, so that's a nice little segue with that partnership with Share. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I say, um, you know, I don't think um, I don't think Shelby sort of did anything too spectacular yesterday, but I... I think he, he proved enough people right who had sort of written him off, I think. I mean, whether he stays or goes this summer, that's probably a bigger that's a that's a bigger question. Um, a more profound one depending on Rafa, depending on lots of things, depending on how much we might have to spend on other players or or, or the or the direction that Rafa wants to take this team, should he be allowed to build on it. But I think, you know, the problem with Shelby in, in, in his last few appearances, which hasn't been many over, you know, a couple of months to be honest. It's been a lack of confidence. He's rusty. He's obviously had this sort of niggly injury that it's it's been taken. It's taken a long time for him to get back from. He lost his place to likes a Longstaff when Longstaff went through that purple patch as well. He's had to kind of really work hard and wait and be patient for his place. And I think he didn't disgrace himself after. And, and, and to be honest, if anything, this was the perfect game for Shelby. Certainly that first half, he was given. He was given yards of space. He was given loads of time, and he and he showed that he was able to pass it around. And he it looked like he, you know, it wasn't like peak Shelby. We've seen him play better, but he, it was just starting to get his mode. He started to remember what it was like to be able to run a game and to dominate a game. And you know, I think, you, you know, his he, he actually provided the second most um, final third passes for us yesterday, which kind of shows his his influence in trying to make things happen. And as we all know. Very, very few th- meaningful things happened for us in the final third, apart from that beautiful goal, uh, which I do want to give a, an extra shout out to Dummett's delivery uh, to to Rondon for his assist to Perez, because another thing that was missing yesterday was was delivered to Rondon, and it, highlighted by the fact that Shelby won as many aerial duels as Salomon Rondon did yesterday, <laughs> which which does which does say a lot. But I think I think um, I was pleased with that Shelby outing. It could have gone horribly wrong for him. I'm I'm sure lots of people were probably willing it to go wrong for him, but I think he still he still provides something unique to our squad, and I was pleased to see him, you know, just back in his element and playing again and starting a game and being influential. I think being given the captain's armband as well, um, just added to you know stepped his game up a bit, and I think he I think he was pretty professional all the way through. So. Yes, that's the least we expect, but obviously the caveat is we're talking about Shelby and future is you know up in the air. But I, I was like you know I, I, I'm not going to sort of sensationalise his performance because it was it was it was average. It was probably what you expect, but I think we saw once again just the, the the benefits that he can bring to the team when he's when he's in there. But there are um, still sort of issues tying out with the chemistry, like you say with the. Shelby expecting the ball off Cher, but Cher's just like, well, I've just been running forward for a few months. I'm just going to do it again. So, you know, like, it's a bit like when Mankio comes in, he's not going to find the same positions that Yedlin finds, for example. So that people have to just like adjust to that. So there'll be a bit of that. There'll be a bit of rustiness. But 
I really don't want to see him go. Like, and I, I, I'd, I'd like to see him stay, even if it is as a squad player, because he just provides something different, and it's a plan B. I've got a count, not a counterpoint, but something to say. I've got something to say. Um, my, <laughs> it's kind of playing. Well, is it playing double? I don't think it's playing. Anyway, how much? Like, I, I don't think Shelby was like all that yesterday because it, no one was on him. Like. It, it it was a good like example of, of of what he can do if he's playing on a pitch basically on his own because Brighton barely even approached him. So I don't know that it's like as um as wonderful as maybe some people think. Maybe that's me being really hard. No, I mean I am not saying he was wonderful. I'm just saying that that could have gone horribly wrong from yesterday and it could have provided a lot more ammo for them just to get kicked out of the club indefinitely. But I don't think he shamed himself yesterday. I don't think he did a lot of no. good things. But I'm I'm keen to suggest that I'm not <laughs> sensationalising his performance. It was it was average, it was what you would expect. But I think for Shelby at this moment in time, with the way a lot of people are feeling about him, that's probably still a win. How for much him. of that is him just showcasing himself for a summer like leave though as well? I mean, it was a good forum. No, I, I don't I don't think I, I don't think he wants to leave necessarily. I think if he's if if he's staying at Newcastle and he's first choice and he's getting picked and he's in, and and he's in a in a in a good team and excelling, then I I, I don't I don't think he would want to move anywhere else. Okay. Personally, just just some thoughts. Okay, one player that Norman would like to sensationalise is the performance of Isaac Hayden. Norman, go ahead. You've set you've set me up there, mate, because that's definitely not what I want to do, is it? <laughs> you've been very, you've been, you've been very cheeky. Um, I don't want to sensationalise it, but I do want to give it credit because. Um, Look, second half, Brighton dominated. You know, we didn't we didn't press them at all. We sat too deep. Um, we switched off. Uh, we gave a typical end of season performance, etc. I rule out all the cliches. Um, but I thought I thought in the first half that I thought um, Hayden's closing down of um, of any kind of space. I thought his tackling was really good. And what I and what I liked from him was in the kind of huddle before the match. He was doing a lot of the talking, and that for me. Reminded me of the Isaac Hayden in the Championship, a young kid with a very mature head on his shoulders, and that's what he's getting back to now. Is Isaac Hayden going to be here next season? Probably not. Um, will he want greater and better things than Newcastle United? I don't think he will. But in terms of somebody completely and utterly, I mean, you know, ostracised to a to a certain extent, extent self-imposed um, earlier on in the season. Uh, the player who came on against Cardiff or, or started against Cardiff and got sent off ridiculously um, for someone whose head was just all over the place, it, it appeared. Um, the second half of the season, I just think his professionalism has been magnificent. And yes, his performance yesterday was was average. But again, um, I, I just uh, it's just amazed me how, how well he's recovered from where he was. And um, if he leaves, I'll actually be quite sad to see him leave because I think a player like Hayden playing for years under Rafa, will go on to have a really, really good career. And I think playing for a manager not like Rafa, it could see his career kind of descend down to the championship when when he's got the potential to be a regular Premier League player. Um, all right, that's it. Nothing sensational, Alex. Just um, credit where it's due, I believe. <laughs> Can I just dive in as well there? Just to, just to echo what I was saying before about Kennedy, you know, Isaac Hayden was getting a lot of these sort of... Um, ah, you shit, oh, you don't want to play for us, well, we don't want you to play for us kind of sentiments. And obviously, he had so much going on in the background in his in, in his personal life that nobody had any uh, idea about, and had no right to have an idea about, to be honest. Um, and obviously, when it came out, what it what exactly it was, and the reasons for him wanting to leave, and 
suddenly everyone everyone understands and suddenly everyone gets it and and actually he's probably he's probably thriving off the back of that reaction that people are just like oh mate best of luck sorry you've had to go through that and and with kennedy just to you know, to tie in the two points we he, he might have nothing going on and he might just be sort of like throwing throwing his career away but there might be loads of stuff going on in his head like there was with with with, with Isaac with Isaac Hayden that maybe we just need to sort of just stop and wait before we throw too much um, vitriol because that's what happened with Hayden and we were all proved very very wrong and probably felt well, very humble about what we might have said about him to, to an extent though Adam to, let's be let's let's just let's just roll back here Isaac Hayden was a disgrace against Cardiff this season you come on I, I, I couldn't care less what's going on in his private life to come on and, and do what you did when you're getting paid was just, was, no, was not good enough well that's not good you know you, you telling me Isaac Hayden coming on and putting a two foot dangerous horrible challenge on another professionals was acceptable of no, course it wasn't Alex, acceptable, acceptable but, but I'm Alex, not thinking is Isaac acceptable Hayden? and then also th- uh, care what's going on in his life yeah, no, no one said you can't and, care and what's going on in his life. The, the, two, the two don't have to be conflated. You don't have to... You can't be like, all right, OK, Kennedy played badly, but there might be something going bad in his life. Just, just don't play him. Just don't... If, you can't, if he's not no, able we, to, like, to, to put in a the, performance... Do we have the option not to play him, though? Do we have the option not to play him, though? These players are only playing because we don't invest in a squad. It's like when people used to have, have a go at Mike Williams. It's not Mike Williamson's fault he's playing for Newcastle United. It's our fault. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the people running the club. It's not his fault. He's just doing what he can. He's doing... And, yeah... Uh, it, it yes, it's it's maybe not an excuse to a point, but it, it it explains a lot of things, and I think I think we're just very quick to jump on them and just treat them like, just treat them like that that they're just commodities only, and we, there's more to it than that. I think it's a it's a lot more complex than we, we and we have a right as fans to you know demand the best, but at the same time we have to understand that there's loads of extraneous circumstances that may lead to people making certain decisions or being under par. So I think before we jump on their backs. We have to sort of at least give them a little bit of leeway to an extent. But ultimately, these players shouldn't be playing for us. We're a, we're a Premier League side, one of the biggest clubs in, in world football, if, you, if you're going to go that far. We should be having internationals throughout our team and on the bench, yet we don't. We don't because of, because of what's happened in this Mike Ashley regime. So... Yes, to an extent, but but I I, I totally see both sides, mate. Um, um yeah, I'm, I'm just a bit lost here. So, yes, yes, I I get what you're saying, and that we'll get we'll get to the gradual back to the point of Hayden here in a second because I want to want to discuss that with Norman a little bit. But like Kennedy and and, and Hayden's performances or well not not Hayden recently he's been fantastic, but you know his performances earlier in the season. I, I don't think there's anyone kind of eating humble pie you know we're allowed, we're allowed to call out bad and substandard performances doesn't doesn't make you a bad bloke because you're bad at football you, you play badly I don't know some things that were said about him rather than be, this is beyond his football yeah ability. well I'm talking about his, him not wanting I'm, to play for Newcastle I'm talking about his football ability and I'm saying that earlier in the season his performances were very poor they've got they've got a lot better he was fifth choice midfielder at Newcastle behind the other three who we've got now um, and Longstaff um, and there was there was good reason for that, you know. Um, I, you know, I, yeah. Whoever said he doesn't want to be here, blah blah. I, do, I yeah. And I'm not commenting on that, but I, I do know that he got he picked up a lot of criticism early in the season, just like Kennedy's getting now. And I think the the criticism then and the criticism of Kennedy's now's performance is is perfectly justified as a fan. We have the right to criticise. You know, we all went down to, to Brighton yesterday. I'm still driving back from Brighton. Kennedy's performance when he came on yet again. Was was just miles below what you'd expect from a footballer playing at this level. Doesn't mean he's a bad footballer. Doesn't mean he's a bad bloke. But that's that's how I see it. On Hayden no, and, and, and Shelby, on Hay- on Hayden and Shelby, um, 
yeah, you know, like my my concern is that this this formation asks an awful lot out of those two midfield positions, and I think you saw that with Shelby going off reasonably early yesterday um, for kind of you know some fresh legs. Um, it, it it it's physically demanding because those two players have to cover so much down and ground, and often they're against three, <laughs> three players playing the same position. My concern about the future, and obviously we're going to get on at the end of this podcast about a little bit about the future and Rafa Benitez and stuff like that, um, is I fear to an extent as a fan base, and this is quite natural because of the shit we'll have to put up with year in year out. We're quite accepting of mediocrity and. We need, and I said this at the start of the season, other people said at the start of the season, if we're going to be a decent football team, which may or may not happen next season and beyond without manager, we need better central midfielders. And that that's across the board, you know. Looks like Diarmé's leaving. Kay's done okay. How many goals have they scored? I think Hayden's got one. I don't think Shelby's scored. I don't think Diarmé's scored. And I don't think Kay scored. That's really, really poor in the Premier League from, from your central midfielders. And we, we need a lot better next season. And maybe, you know leaving aside Hayden's desire to leave for whatever reason for a minute maybe that is with uh, a more influential more attacking player alongside Isaac Hayden or a case on Young that that may happen but we we if we're going to stop being relegation fodder which we are year in year I mean I don't think we've been in a relegation battle every single year in the Premier League pretty much since for, uh, since 12-13 excluding 14-15 so you know we, we haven't a battle relegation year in year out in the Premier League and I'm sick of it it's boring it's not enjoyable. Um, we all know the reasons f- for that, you know, what, what they are. But we need central midfield, I think, is the one position excluding the Rondon debate because you'd say that all being well, Rondon will be starting for Newcastle next year. And I think everyone would be happy with that. Um, central midfield is, is possibly the position that we'll really need to upgrade on next year. And yeah, Shelby and Hayden and probably not Diarmé, but Key are probably, you know, two of those three are going to have to be here next year. Um, and contribute to us in the Premier League, but we, we need a massive upgrade in that area. And yes, Hayden had a decent game yesterday. His, his turnover of possessions are fantastic. He, you know, he's brilliant against Southampton. He won the ball for the first goal, so that that that's making an impact at the right end of the pitch, and that's what we need from our central midfielders. But we're going to have to do a hell of a lot better in that position next season if we're going to get to the next level. And unfortunately for us, the next level is just not being in a relegation battle. It's having like a West Ham type season. Development of Longstaff's obviously going to be, play a big part in that, I think. And I think it, had he had he kept his, had he had he not been injured, um, I, I you know I fully expected him to sort of maintain that that amazing form that he had at the start of the year. And I think um, you know at the minute you you got to say that Longstaff is you know would be a starter. I think um, and he's a goal scoring midfielder as well. Yeah, he's a goal he's a goal scoring midfielder as well. You look at his um, loan spell at Blackpool. I think he got. Um, he got almost did he get him almost ten goals? Am I just making that up? Um, but he did score and he scored that great goal against Burnley. And and you know you look at the matches that he played, they were all, he was often taking shots. I mean he he threw the ball against Huddersfield, and as he was growing into the role and growing as a player, I think we would have seen a lot more of that. And I think if Longstaff had been available um, for the last sort of four or five games, um, I do believe that he would have had a, he would have actually had a couple more goals. Um, so I think. The, the the point about us having goal scoring midfielders is hugely important. We do need someone in there in centre midfield who can score goals. I think Long Staff can do it, but he can't do. It. He's not going to be for the whole season. We also need someone either back Long Staff up or to challenge him or who Long Staff's a back up to. You're absolutely bang on there, Alex, for that. Does this mean that we need a kind of box to box then? Like uh, you know, you, you saw somebody like Lamina come on against you know for Southampton and make such a difference and energy through the beat like, between the lines. At the, at the minute, like the only the closest thing we have to box to box is, is Isaac Hayden, who's who's out the door. You've got Diarmi who likes a bit of a lumber forward sometimes, but he's 
he's not really effective in in terms of that final third in terms of you know goals and assists. And he's definitely leaving. Yeah, he's definitely going. Yeah. So do we do we need is is this a different kind of player that we need a sort of like all action, um, athletic box to box who who can mean that somebody can sit in while they go off and sort of support that attack that's often just sort of like bereft of support really sometimes the way that the shape is. Not be spectacular. Not be absolutely spectacular. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. And uh, I also think it's just, it comes down to money, doesn't it? We're going to need someone, you know, that costs 10, 15, 20 million pounds. I know Rafa is a bit of a genius at turning, um, you know, water into wine with the players that he's had. But, you know, if if you look at a player like, you know, um, Tillemans at and Madison, and I know Madison plays a bit further forwards, but you, you, the, the players are out there. Who can who can get goals from midfield, but we just we just don't have them at the minute. I mean, we we'll have, well, exactly. we'll have to. Sorry, crack I was going to say, can I add something? Oh, sorry, sorry to jump in there, Alex. I was just going to say something that'll never happen. But you know, in, in my in my dreams, um, Villa won't get promoted, and we would go in for someone like Jack Grealish, <laughs> who I think would be absolutely spectacular. Um, he is box to box. He does score goals. He does create chances, and he probably costs about thirty five million. That's the kind of ambition we should be showing. And you give Rafa the money to go out and buy someone like Jack Grealish, and he would turn him into one of the best midfielders in Europe. Um, it's just unfortunate that the that the model um, that is practiced at Newcastle by the ownership wouldn't ever do anything as ambitious as that. And it's a real, real shame. Well, let's talk about that. I'll come to you first, Norman. The manager's got two games left currently. Uh, the press pack, the Northeast press lads, were more positive, uh, from what I've read, about his mood towards a new contract on Friday. Surely it's got to happen this week if it's going to happen. Would you agree with that, or do you think this might drag on until after the season? I think it'll drag on, just like it did when um, we went down to the championship. Um, you know, if you, if you remember that every kind of day in May up until he signed that contract was just just nerves. You were just scrolling, you know, refreshing Twitter every 30 seconds, going online, has it happened, has it happened, has it happened? And I think it's going to be exactly exactly the same thing. Um, I, I think it's just going to drag and drag. And unfortunately, the longer that it drags, the the less likely he is to stay. And I, 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 you know what? Honestly, mate, my opinion, it changes from second to second. It is so... It's just... There's nothing to grab hold of. It's like, yeah, he will stay, he will stay. Two seconds out, nah, nah, he probably won't, he probably won't. And that's... To be honest with you, that's... That we've mentioned this on numerous occasions. That is how the message comes out of the club. That we're, we're permanent. It's almost like we're in a permanent state of confusion, and it's almost like that's how Ashley and you know people who run the club want it to be. They kind of want us to be thinking as fans that you know actually we are moving forward. Oh no, we're not. Oh, we are moving. Forward? Oh no, we're not. Um, it's almost like we you know that there's never a decision made one way or the other, and it's and it's so frustrating. And I absolutely desperately want Rafa to stay. Um, but right now I don't even have a good instinct. That's how that's how confusion is. I don't even have a gut instinct as to whether real or not. Charlotte, do you have a gut instinct? Um, I've got a sort of romantic instinct, which is that he will. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I don't know. It's really hard to say. Like Norman says, I remember. I think it was a TFAQ. Not that I don't know why I keep plugging that. Um, that we did, Alex, and one of the questions was, would we know by? by Fulham or, or, or will it be that sort of thing and you were like absolutely definitely and it just doesn't look that way does it anymore like I, 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 I don't know I want him to stay I would love him to stay but equally if he stays with no promise of no investment and no money then that's you know not good for him so I wouldn't blame him if he sort of this, if they tried to renew his contract and say actually but you know you still have to make do 
it's not good enough and I wouldn't blame Rafa if he wanted to leave. Um, I don't know. I oscillate as well, like Norman. So I'm going to I'm gonna say stay, but I don't, I'm, not, I'm saying that very wobbly. <laughs> okay, Adam, finally, same question to you. Is he staying? Is he going? What do you, what's your gut telling you? I don't think we'll find out until after Fulham. Um, I agree with the brinksmanship thing. You know, I think, you know, they'll treat the Rafa deal like they treat every transfer deal. They'll 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 hang on brinksmanship, try and get the try and get the best value deal for them. Um, I believe he will stay, but I believe it will be on literally the the bare minimum expectations that he's asked for. I think it'll it'll scrape by. I think they know how much he loves the club, and I think they'll play on that. Um, I think obviously Rafa's playing his games in the media, not get like you know he's he's playing Ashley's game basically in the media. He's been dragged down to that to um, to highlight you know that this is kind of all on the club. The club know the value of him. The club know that they that he alone gives them an extra few places in the Premier League. Without him, it's relegation and the the business costs less in in Mike Ashley's eyes. So they know the value of him. And it's a and it's a and it's a it's a it's it's a it's a couple of promises that they should be making anyway. He's not even asking for Ashley's money, is he? He just wants the TV money. So, I think he will stay. Um, I'm confident about that. But yeah, we'll it'll be weeks before we find out, and it'll be we'll be leaving us all on the edge of our seats until then. Yeah, uh, I hope you're wrong. Obviously, uh, I hope that it's sorted this week. I think the atmosphere against Liverpool will be absolutely bouncing if it wasn't already going to be so. Um, whether that'll happen, I don't know. I think if it has to wait until after Fulham, you'll not be here. Um, you know, they've they've been talking for weeks now. Each side know what they want. If they can't, if they can't sort it out before the Fulham game, like, well, why does it you know suggest that? It will be sorted after Fulham. I think Adam, you're right. I think Brinkmanship comes into it. Um, it's very sad, isn't it? And it's it's such a Newcastle United modern day Newcastle United scenario to find ourselves in. Just get it, just get it sorted. You know, uh, the Chronicle reports that Lee Charney's been tasked by Mike Ashley to secure Rafa's <laughs> um, signature, <laughs> and it's just like it, it's it's it, it's just it's the layers, isn't it? Mike Ashley enjoys these layers. These people that don't really exist, like Justin Barnes and and Keith Bishop, who are such influence you hear and read. Uh, when in fact the club refused to even kind of acknowledge them that they are part of the football club or that they have any kind of decision making power um, it's just it just stinks and I'm just sick of it I, I, I think you'll stay because I just can't be bothered to even contemplate the fallout if he doesn't um, and how and what kind of state the, the club will be in at the start of next season it's just you know it's just one of those things that we'll deal with when we'll deal with. Um, you know, we've we've got loads planned for for Patreon in the next couple of weeks about this and do it in a, a little bit more detail. Um, but yeah, I think if, uh, if if no one else has any other pressing things to talk about, we'll call it there. Uh, so thanks everybody who's listened. Thanks for you three and the free podcast. We'll be back this week. Actually, we're going to put out the match preview against Liverpool for free. Um, as a bit of a taster, as a taster for non-patrons. Uh, so that'll be, be Wednesday, Wednesday night. Yeah, should be a good one. And uh, after that, of course, it'll be next Sunday, most likely. Uh, hopefully after a famous win against Liverpool. But until then, uh, you know, let's hope the Rafa, the Rafa, the manager signs and uh, on all as well. So speak to you all soon. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.